from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. And people don't even know what the movie is beforehand, right? It's always a surprise. <laughs> it's always a surprise, that's right. Prisoners of Ghostland. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the wildest movie I've ever made. That's what Nicolas oh. Cage said. That's We're in for a treat. <laughs> I like that they quote him on the, right. and not like a one critic. <laughs> We've got three categories. One is just taking a sip. The second one is um, chugging. <laughs> And the third category is um, rules that we have for um, every Nick Cage movie because, you know, I wouldn't say they're formulaic, but there are hallmarks of a Cage movie. As the multiplexes kind of have become more dominated with the same type of movie, I think it sort of opens up a window more for us to do things that are outside of that and a little bit different. I'm Sarah Fenton. The pandemic has been tough on movie theaters. Over the last few years, the Tivoli Theater in the Del Mar Loop closed, as did the Moolah Theater on Lindell Boulevard. But just around the time that those theaters were closing, a new one opened in St. Louis's Bevo Mill neighborhood. It's called Arcaden, and the proprietors are Sarah Barabba and Keith Watson. Up until now, they've been doing outdoor showings, and they're gearing up to move inside. I had the chance to talk with them earlier this week. And I first asked Sarah what it was like to open a theater during the pandemic. We opened the theater in June, late June of 2020. Um, we didn't have any plans to open up, uh, obviously, because there was a pandemic going on. Um, we had picked up our building permits in March of 2020, and I think two days later, everything shut down. So we had just uh, planned on hitting the brakes for a while, um, but we were approached by our neighbors, the heavy anchor, and they said, hey, do you want to throw a screen up on our wall and maybe show some movies? And we said, sure, let's do it. (laughs) And so you originally didn't plan on having this outdoor theater space, it sounds like. Not really. It was kind of a far in the future kind of idea that at some point maybe we would try to do something back there. But the idea was always more traditional indoor theater space. Um, We had bought the building in, I guess, October 2019, a few days before our wedding. (laughs) We closed (laughs) on the building. And, um, yeah, the idea was just to be inside. And then by the time we got the building permit, basically COVID was here. And so we did the pivot to outdoor showings. Mm -hmm. What was the first movie that you played? Do you remember? Well, the first movie we played ever was... Phantom of the Paradise, we showed it to a family and friends screening. Mm -hmm. And um, I know my parents will never forget that one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Phantom of the Paradise, Brian De Palma's Mm -hmm. uh, very strange, kind of Rocky Horror Picture Show-esque rock and roll musical um, with uh, songs by Paul Williams and a strange beaked mask and everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a good one to show because it's got a split screen scene, uh, which De Palma loves to do. And it was the thing that taught me our speakers are positioned in the back of the theater behind people. And that was when I realized I have to actually cross over the connections of the speaker. Otherwise, left will come out of the right speaker and right will come out of the left. And because of that scene, 
I figured that out. <laughs> yeah, that's why you have a family and friends greeting first. Exactly. <laughs> they're not they're not going to care. They're going to be nice to you. <laughs> so yeah. that kind of describes a lot of the vibes of the movies that you play. Like so I've I live in Bevo Mill and I've been to the movie theater um several times and I've seen Repo Man, Austin Powers, Independence <laughs> Day, RoboCop. Is there any kind of movie that seems like an Arcadian movie to you? Like, what do you look for? That's a good question. One element that's been a big factor is that we're outside. Um, we are right next to your door to the Heavy Anchor, which is a bar and concert venue. So there is some, and, you know, we're right in Bevo. We're not in, enclosed in a bubble. So things that are a little bit louder, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Um, tend to work outside better. So I think that's driven some of our decision-making about what to show. I don't know if we have an, a platonic ideal of an Arcaden movie exactly, but, um, you know, we have always said that we wanted to show things kind of from the most obscure types of things to somewhat more mainstream um, entertainment. Uh, and I think we've outside gotten into the the kind of movies you're talking about are are right on target for us i mean we show a lot of horror in october as it just was and um i don't know i don't know if we have a (laughs) we usually try to pay attention to what other folks are showing around town because st louis does have a lot of other cinematic options so we definitely don't want to repeat what other folks are doing but um we want to show things that St. Louis probably hasn't seen on the screen in a really long time, or that might otherwise have not come to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So no, no new releases usually. I don't see a lot of. Not typically, but this summer we had a really unique opportunity to screen a film called Memoria, which is doing, um, it's called a never-ending tour. So they're actually never going to release the movie on um, DVD oh. or streaming. Um, and so that was, they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you you mentioned the other movie theaters in St. Louis. I know the pandemic upended a lot of smaller theaters in town that play re-releases or do midnight movies and culty stuff and rock and roll stuff. Um, like I'm thinking of the Tivoli that was sold during the pandemic, our beloved moolah just down the street from St. Louis Public Radio. How does Arcaden sort of fit into that landscape? Those are all theaters we loved the, to go to and frequent and definitely we want to give people an opportunity to see films that they would have seen there. Um, Like I said, that otherwise might not be picked up at your Cineplex or at the remaining movie houses that are open in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe offer folks um, a chance to uh, flex their own programming muscles, um, which is something that we've gotten into a little bit with um, Kate uh, comes out and shows her Silence Please STL programming, which is a great um, program that uh, she provides more accessibility to silent films in St. Louis, which otherwise, you know, other than maybe the film festival and and off chance um, at Webster don't really have a regular showing in St. Louis, um, as well as uh, we helped revive Strange Brew, which was a cult movie series mm-hmm. that um, used to happen over at Schlafly and Webster, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we we've always seen ourselves for one is just we're literally smaller than all of them. And so um, I think part of the vision is just to do things that are a little bit different that you wouldn't necessarily get at a, you know, any other kind of movie theater. And as we move inside, which we're doing soon, 
you know, the plan is to show things that are even more a little bit off the beaten path. Um, <laughs> so I, we're going weirder, I guess, <laughs> is our philosophy. Right. And I was going to say you don't just show movies. There's a lot of stuff going on around the showings. Like you have trivia and bingo and one of my faves, Drinkless Cage. Uh, Drinkless Cage takes its inspiration from everyone's favorite actor, Oscar winner, Nicolas Cage. And I visited the final Drinkless Cage event of the season last week. And here's a bit of what it was like. I love coming to Drinkless Cage because Nicolas Cage is an excellent actor. He brings um, a certain energy and vibe to all of his movies. And it's always just an entertaining and fun time. <laughs> I have not seen this. Ghostland. Prisoners of Ghostland. <laughs> the wildest movie I've ever made. That's what Nicolas Cage said. That's We're in for a treat. I like that they quote him on the, right. and not like a one critic. Bar, one bar. Yeah. But that's how you know it's going to be good. <laughs> and it's Nicolas Cage. <laughs> but Drinkless Cage isn't just a boozy free-for-all. There are rules. We've got three categories. One is just taking a sip. The second one is um, chugging. (laughs) And the third category is um, rules that we have for um, every Nick Cage movie. Because, you know, I wouldn't say they're formulaic, but there are hallmarks of a Cage movie that that, um, happen all the time. On this night, the theater's also hosting Deadly Prey, a Chicago-based gallery that sells classic movie posters and prints hand-painted by artists in Ghana. It's just a very unique style, very bizarre. Uh, No matter what the movie is, they kind of incorporate some elements of horror and macabre to it. They're not always accurate to the movie, but they are always killer. And I just think it's so cool. I mean, like Groundhog Day. There's no monster groundhog ripping people apart in it, yet here it's depicted that way. I don't know. It's just, it's fun to me. I'm like, I'm a big fan of like the horror genre and and all things macabre. And so like, this is just a very, it's right up my alley in terms of my my niche taste for my poster. (laughs) Do you come here a lot? Uh, To Arcaden? Oh yeah, I usually come here probably once a week or so. Uh, During October, they've had tons of awesome movies, uh, like lots of scary movies, and I've loved coming here as much as I can. It's really cheap, it's, I mean, what's not to like about an outdoor micro cinema with this sort of ambiance to it? After the audience mingles for an hour or so, Drinkless Cage is about to begin. People take their blankets and their mugs of boozy cider and head to their seats. First, some spooky coming attractions. If she fails, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Then it's finally time. In this movie, the villain forces Nick Cage to wear a magical leather jumpsuit. At the end of five days, if you have not returned with Bernice to get your suit unlocked and removed... Explosives will detonate all at once. At the South City Cinema, Nick Cage will always be the marquee star of everybody's heart. All right, and that was Megan Rathman, Melissa Tenney, Jake Herman, and our guest today, Sarah Baraba. She is here with her husband. Keith Watson, and we are talking about Arcaden Cinema on the South Side. So tell me about Drinkless Cage. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> How did you get the idea to do this? How did this come about? Well, that's a good question. I think it was Sarah's idea initially, for sure. And um, it kind of grew out of something we just used to do at home, <laughs> which is we would 
watch a bad action movie or horror movie or something, and we would just make up drinking game rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was always fun to do it just with us. And so we thought, oh, this is going to be great to do with other people. And it's um, by far our bestseller. I mean, we put tickets on sale. They usually sell out within a day or two. Um, These days, even sooner than that. Yeah, a few hours. And people don't even know what the movie is beforehand, right? It's always a surprise. (laughs) It's always a surprise. That's right. Yeah, we pick it and usually watch it a night or two before the event and write the rules ourselves. Yeah, Mm -hmm. people try to wheedle it out of us sometimes, but we keep (laughs) tight-lipped about uh, (laughs) what it's going to be. Well, I had never even heard of Prisoners of the Ghost Land. Mm -hmm. It has a solid 4.7 on Metacritic, (laughs) (laughs) which is a perfect, perfect rating for an action movie, I think. Uh, so after you, you mentioned this a little bit before, but um, after years, you're now changing it up. You're moving everything inside. Um, so tell me now what you have planned now that you might not have to rely on that outside space. Sure. Um, so we plan to have a single screen space um, with some eclectic seating. We'll have um, couches and chairs as well as traditional movie seats. And then we'll also have um, a small bar and lounge area with a concession stand where folks can hang out before or after the movies and chat about what they've seen. Um, But I think what we're most excited about is just being able to show more types of films um, and invite folks in to talk about movies, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. We also don't have to wait for it to get dark before showing a movie. That's (laughs) sort of a plus. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a broader selection, I think, than we've done outside. I think um, at least I'm interested in doing a little bit more in the artsy uh, realm of uh, of film. Uh, So we'll do some of that and stuff for kids and older people as well. I mean, we can do a lot more inside than we can um, outside and kind of with the bar situation. So Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a, a lot, uh, a broad variety of stuff we'll do inside. When can people expect to come? Because I know your regular season outside ended just last week. And so if you're hungry for more cinema, when can they expect that indoor indoor part to open? Probably in January. Mm-hmm. Um, things are moving really fast. We just uh, got our HVAC installed yesterday and pain in the theater. So things are coming together. And yeah, hopefully... Uh, in the winter here will be mm-hmm. open. Sweet. Um, so, Keith, you mentioned that moving inside lets you do a little bit more artsy stuff. Um, so how do you make a business model showing these kinds of movies work <laughs> when it's a movie that people may not necessarily have heard of? Like, it, it's a tough business, as we've seen during the pandemic. Like, how your niche movie theater, how do you make it make money and, and be sustainable? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> and if you have any answers, very... let me know. Um, well, as you can see, um, uh, we're very smart, brilliant business people because we named our theater something that nobody uh, knows how to pronounce. Um, but no, on, seriously, I mean, I think there is always an audience for um, unusual films, even challenging films. It's not that every single movie we're going to show is going to be extremely challenging or difficult to watch or anything like that. Uh, But I do think that there is an audience that's hungry for that kind of thing as the multiplexes kind of have become more dominated with the same type of movie. I think it sort of opens up a window more for us to do things that are outside of that and a little bit different. 
And as far as things uh, that people don't know, I mean, one thing we did this past October is um, a mystery movie night uh, every Monday. And we were really, I mean, they were all horror movies. They they weren't like art films necessarily, but um, we didn't tell people what they would be. We would kind of tease a little bit about um, the genre or subgenre or vibe of it. And we got a great response from that. I think people really enjoyed seeing things that like, having somebody kind of curate an experience for you to uh, say, kind of put it in your lap and say, you're really gonna like this, or we hope you do anyway. Um, I think there there is some appetite for that. So I'm thinking back when I was a kid, or even just like a young adult, and to see one of these kinds of movies, you needed to hope that your local blockbuster had it, or you needed to order it from the library and cross your fingers that, you know, you would get it eventually. But now everything is on streaming. Like, with very few exceptions, you can find something almost immediately. And so what's the appeal of seeing a movie in a theater that you can usually find and watch, like, on your television or on your laptop at home? Yeah, that's a really real challenge that we come up across every time we program a month. And um, I think that having events like Drinkless Cage... Um, you know, kind of give you a good idea of what it's like to see a movie in a movie theater and the community around that. And you just get the vibes off of everybody and the energy from, you know, different scenes and laughing together. And you can't necessarily get that at home, um, watching it by yourself or even with your partner. Um, So just the community around seeing movies together. Mm -hmm. Keith, what about you? What's the appeal of going to the movies? I think the community is a big element, especially for, I think, comedy movies, horror movies. Those are just, I think, always better to see with a crowd. Action movies, too, I think. Um, I think there's also some appeal for things that I've mentioned are more challenging, maybe, or, you know, things like that. Uh, There's a focus that comes to being in a movie theater, you know, a darkened room, um, you know, some your phone. You turn your ho- phone off. It, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> and the ability to just be in there for a certain amount of time and just, you know, this thing is playing in front of you and you're going to focus all your attention on it. I think there is some power in that that you can't really get at home in the same way. You're always going to have kids around or dogs barking or, you know, uh, somebody calls you or texts you or whatever. Or you're like cleaning while you're watching or exactly. doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. Or another, another tab open. But yeah. exactly. Yeah. Drinkless Cage just wouldn't be the same if you were playing it by yourself. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Keith Watts and Sarah Baraba, thank you so much. Those two are the owners of Arcaden Cinema in the Bevo Mill. Thanks so much, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. This episode was produced by Alex Hoyer and Sarah Fenton. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Podcast designed by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you.
St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.